Why, hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. It's Michelle, and as always, I'm here with my very good friend, Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne, how are you? I'm doing great, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Still recovering a little bit from our weekend, or I should say our extended weekend in Vegas, watching March Madness. Whoa, took a lot out of me. Yeah. But it was fun. We had a good time. It was fun, but I'm exhausted. Yeah, (laughs) I could say more, but I will not. So anyhow, I'm just happy to be back home and getting into the routine of things. But of course, before we go too far into episodes, we should talk about Vegas, do like a little bit of a recap, some lessons that we learned, some experiences that we had. Does that sound okay to you? Sure. Sounds good to me. Okay. Well, I do want to say, and I'm so proud of us, that we did the scavenger hunt, the video scavenger hunt for stereotypes in Vegas. And Mm -hmm. we found 15 out of 18 of the people we were looking for. We sure did. And as we were looking for them, we found a lot of things that we should have included in our scavenger hunt that we did not. I know we said we should do an honorable mention reel, but we never did that. I know. Yeah. Well, the three things that we are missing, in case you're wondering, is a fan wearing a Zag shirt, which technically you wore one, so we could have used you for that. A Spider-Man. We did not see a Spider-Man. And there was one other thing. What was it? I have to look um, back at The people selling water. No, we saw them. Oh, no, it was the slot machine people. The, the person taking up two slot machines or oh. the one that won't leave the slot machine. Right. Yeah, which we did technically see, but I felt a little invasive like going up and taking video or walking by taking video. I don't know why, because the faces were all blurred anyway, but. Right. Yeah, I guess I didn't want to hurt their flow. <laughs> well, if they're taking up two machines, I don't care because you know how I feel about that. Yeah, wouldn't want to interrupt their heater, as Jeff would call it. I know how you'd love it when he says that. In addition to the scavenger hunt, we also did a fair amount of shopping. And I just really want to share with everybody because I was horrified by that. And I'm still embarrassed, but like, why not laugh at myself? When we first got to Vegas, I pulled out of my purse a lip balm that I bought at Chanel. I bought it in Hawaii. I forgot I'd purchased it before going on the trip. I found it and I swore by it. I said, this is the best lip stuff I have ever used. I love it. It's wonderful. It's perfect. It's soft. I like the application. Suzanne, we've got to go find some more of this. Right. And you agreed to go. So we get to Chanel. We walk in. The lady's helping us. And I can't see that the lip stuff anywhere. And so I pull it out of my purse. And I said, we're looking for this, this, this lip stuff. And she kind of started to laugh because it wasn't lip stuff I'd been putting on my face. It was actually <laughs> cuticle oil. Correct. Yeah. So I was horrified that here to you, I'm like promoting this product. That's not even lip stuff. It's cuticle oil. But the only saving grace is the person who runs like the makeup or skin product line for Chanel for that store Mm -hmm. told me she did the exact same thing when 
it came exactly. in. She had all of her employees try it on as like a lip balm or lipstick. Yeah. Well, and Chanel should learn from that because so the big question is, are you use, still using it as a lip balm? Oh, heck no. I felt like such a fool when we left there. I was like, oh, not a good choice, Michelle, especially when I'm promoting it to you and thought I had this wonderful product that was kind of let down. But it's good cuticle oil, too. Well, yeah, but I think if it works on your lips, why not? It was probably just my imagination. It worked on my lips. It just went on really smoothly. It has a great applicator. They should do a lipstick or a lip, like a lip cream right. using that model moving forward, I think. They should. They should. Well, I really appreciate you not laughing at me in that moment. So I'm wondering right now, have you ever had any like beauty blenders or store blenders like that where you went in thinking one thing only to be kind of nicely put in your place you know i'm sure that i have of course when you asked me on the spot can i think of any no but maybe something will come to me but yeah i know that's happened before where you're you're so sure when going in what you're doing and then you either use the wrong term or you think you're looking for something and yeah and then you feel like a fool well since i'm throwing myself under the bus i will do it one more time when I went shopping once, I was looking for a bathing suit. I went in to try it on. I couldn't even figure out how to put it on. And I walked out and she's like, that's not how you wear it. That was also <laughs> also very embarrassing because trying on swimsuits is never fun to begin with. Right. And then to have someone look at you and be like, uh, no, that's not how you wear it. That was really another moment I won't ever forget. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I'm sure I've had those moments. Why why they don't just pop into my head but while we're talking about it, I don't know. But Probably because you're trying to forget about it. Well, yeah, but everyone's had those moments. Yeah, well, maybe that moment should have stayed in Vegas, but stay tuned because we've got some more Vegas things to share with you. we're back. So Suzanne, while we were in Vegas, you had a wonderful observation that I think we should share with the listeners. And do you want to talk about that or introduce your thought? I can introduce my thought. Um, and it's probably going to turn into one of those stories that kind of morphs into something else. But that's okay. So you know that I love my slot machines. And at the Cosmopolitan where we stayed, they have a section in towards the back of the casino that has my favorite slot machine of all time, Sex in the City. And I live to play that machine. And the last time I was in Vegas at the Cosmopolitan, um, I specifically went to play that machine. And for like 48 hours, the same person was playing that machine. And I never had the opportunity to play it. And I got so frustrated because she was sitting in one chair and she either had her husband, there are two machines next to each other, either her husband playing the other machine or she would be playing both machines. And for 48 hours, I'd go by and she was still on both machines. And I got so frustrated because it's like, okay, you know, 
for 48 straight hours, you're going to play this machine and no one else gets to touch it. So anyway, this time, first thing I did when we got there was go to my Sex and the City machine and claimed my space. And it was an interesting phenomenon because then another woman sat down next to me and I got the bonus and she knew the bonus I got. And she goes, oh, I hate that bonus. And I said, yeah, so do I. And we had a little conversation and I was like, oh, that was nice. And then that happened four or five times where I'd be sitting there and another Sex in the City machine lover would sit down next to me. And I got one woman sitting next to me and I swear she became like a friend in a half an hour <laughs> because she asked me about myself and she asked about Sex in the City and then I asked her about herself and why she was there and she said she was there for March Madness. I said, oh, so am I. And I said, are you, what team are you going for? And she said, Gonzaga. And I said, really? My boys went to Gonzaga. And she said, really? I went to Gonzaga. <laughs> and we had a lot in common. We bonded over our Sex in the City machines. And she was one of those people that I'd hit the bonus. She goes, yay for you. Good job. Oh, you're going to win this time. And and then she'd hit the bonus and I'd say, yay, I love that bonus. And so just all around a great experience. That is a really cool experience, especially when the machine seems to have a following and each of you know the the depths of it, the... I can't even say the word, so I'm not going to try and say it, but you understand the game and you can be cheerleaders for each other. You're not hogging both machines. And and it's that's fun. really cool. It's fun because I have a really good friend of mine who back in the day, we used to go to Vegas a couple times a year. And it was always fun to go to Vegas with her because she was a slot machine person. I was a slot machine person. She'd go her way. I'd go my way. And then whenever one of us would win, we text each other or we take a picture and send it and so much fun where we didn't feel obligated to be with each other, but we were having fun separately. But then we had someone to share in the excitement when we won. I have coined the phrase, it's the sisterhood of the slot machines. Because when you meet a fellow slot machine sister, you know it. You know that person when you meet them. I think my mom would like to be one of those people with you. She loves slot machines also. And she had sent me several messages while we were in Vegas. How's Suzanne doing on the slot machines? So you have a sister there also. Yes. And and it takes it takes that person who gets it, who who has fun with it. And but when I coined that phrase, sisterhood of the slot machines, I did think about it. And I thought, you know, there are a lot of sisterhoods out there. When you meet those people that become your people because they enjoy something you enjoy and they enjoy it to the same level you enjoy it, which is why I like sports and why I get, I fall in love with like March Madness because everyone around me is enjoying it in a different way or in the same way. And it's just fun. It's a great environment. 
Yeah, it's the camaraderie, it's the shared enthusiasm, and you can learn a lot of things because after you had that conversation with the lady at the slot machine, the one that you felt like you were fast friends, you came away with two valuable pieces of information. Do you, you want to share those? So the two things I found out is, first of all, she has the woman who was sitting next to me on the slot machine has a host at the hotel. And I was like, I want a host because these hosts at the hotel, and I know you have to gamble a lot, which I feel like I gamble a good amount, but it's like a loyalty program. And if you get to a certain level of your loyalty program, then you get a host and they do things for you. You know, they get you the best room available at the hotel. They book dinner reservations for you and the people you're with. They pick you up at the airport. They take you to the airport when you leave, if that's how your your transportation is. So there are a lot of perks and and I love perks. And so I'm a little obsessed with that. I want to get my own host at one of the hotels in Vegas. And I'm a sucker for it. If I have a host, I'll always stay at that hotel. That's the loyalty program. Yes, and it's a wonderful program. I was doing a little bit of research on it and I truly am surprised by the amount that you gamble or the amount of time you spend gambling, the amount that Rob gambles. He's more of sports book, but he also likes the table games and slot machines that you all haven't been approached by a casino uh -huh. host because there's two ways it can happen. They can find you just in right. their plane and deem you worthy of it. I don't know a better way to say it. Or you can go and talk to them and see what you need to do to qualify. And I haven't done, I mean, I've never been approached, but now I know a couple people who have hosts in Vegas. And it's like, okay, I need to get in on this. I got to figure this one out. Yeah. And I think maybe some introductions are in order. Your friends should be mm -hmm. introducing you to their host and they can just right. check your record because I'm sure everything you do is with the loyalty point or loyalty. Card. Right. Right. Which I am that person. I I do things for rewards. I do things for points. I accumulate. And and then I have a son who is a master at cashing in points and rewards and getting the most for our, the most bang for our buck, so to speak. Yes. And I'm jealous that you have him there helping you all the time. So that is a perk because I usually have to figure it out and I do the best I can, but I could do better. I'm just still figuring it out. I know. And I don't have to figure it out because I have him doing it for me. Exactly. Well, do you want to share with everybody else the other thing that you learned? Yes. Well, the other thing I learned from my new friend who has her host, because she said to her host, if you ever get rid of this Sex in the City machine, I'm going to have to change hotels. <laughs> and he laughed at her, of course. And he said, well, this section in our casino is called the legends section and it has all the old machines and we don't get rid of the legends machines so these are the the old machines that are the most popular machines so the cosmo will keep your business just because they have the sex in the city machine which is awesome. yes yes and they have game of thrones and they have the wizard of oz and they have Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and they have an Elvis 
machine. And these machines are all old. It's not like they upgrade them or anything. They are the original machines, but so much fun. Yeah, you got to go where you're comfortable. But can I take a minute here just to talk about your big win in Vegas? Sure. So we were watching March Madness, which we're going to recap in just a moment. But Suzanne decided to take a slot machine break, which she does frequently through the day. It kind of breaks up the monotony of just sitting down. You get to move, stretch your legs. So we're all sitting there at the table, Rob, Jeff, and I, and we get a message from Suzanne that she hit a major jackpot. And that was so exciting for me. And then the next message you sent was, but there's nobody here to cash me out. There's no cash attendant. I'm stranded basically. And I need, I need help. And so I walked that whole casino. I was your wing woman. I walked that whole casino and tried to find you, but I couldn't. And you were right there. Like if you were, what, what's the saying? If you were, it would have bit me. If you were a snake, it would have bit me because you were right there. <laughs> but I did want you to know, I did walk that whole casino looking for you and the guys just kept watching the game. Right. And I was so close to where we were watching the game that I could actually almost see you in the, what is that called? The destin not the destination, the place where we were watching, where we had our table to watch the games. I mean, I was that close to you and I was right on the aisle. But the interesting thing about that, and you say a major jackpot. Okay, it's all relative what a major jackpot is. I have For me, a, it would be a major <laughs> jackpot. Right. And it's not the most I've ever won. It's not even close to the most I've ever won. And then I have a sister-in-law who is, I mean, this woman, she wins at everything. And now she has won some major jackpots. But this one, <laughs> this one was respectable. And it did, it did require hand payout, which is where the, because there's a tax cap where they have to give you a tax form and you have to, you know, file it on next year's taxes. And so I did have to wait a long time. But then when the attendant came over to give me my cash payout, she said in that section where I was sitting, she had like six or seven cash payouts that happened all at the same time. And she was the only one working that section, which is interesting that, I mean, it was like they hit, 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 hit. But I was patient. I waited. And it was actually very fun. Yeah, I would call that smoking hot. And I do have to ask because I do have a competitive nature. Was your jackpot the biggest of the five or six that were paid out at that time? No, I think mine was on the lower end of the five or six that were paid out. So, but then the the woman who was doing the payout, super nice woman, again, sisterhood of the slot machine. She works there, she knows the machines, but she and I are chatting and she, I told her we were from, originally from Alaska and she goes, oh, I bet you've got a lot of snow. And I said, yeah, it's been a bad year. Fortunately, I'm in Arizona. And she said, yeah, her son lived in Truckee, California. And they had gotten like, I don't know, she said some ungodly amount of snow this year, 40 feet of snow. (laughs) And so we were comparing snow stories while she was giving me her, my cash payout. And again, you're, I'm bonding, I'm bonding with these people. I may never see them again, but 
I'm bonding. You don't care. You're making yeah. that moment matter and it's memorable to you. Right. Right. So, And anyway. you got to walk away from the games for a little while. But I really think that before we like move on completely, we should just take a moment to tap into March Madness and our experience there. So we'll be right back. going to talk about March Madness because it was so Madness. fun to be there. Did I, what I say? No, I'm telling you, you said it was, and I just finished your sentence. It was madness. Absolutely bonkers and crazy brackets broken and an experience. It was fun, but like <laughs> my brackets yeah. sucked. That's all I can say. There's not a, a better way to put it. Yeah, let's face it everyone's brackets sucked. I mean, there was no predicting what happened this year, but truly made it the most fun March Madness weekend of all time. I mean, game after game were nail biters and upsets and oh my goodness, it was so much fun. It was a lot of fun, but I'll tell you this, I have never had a 3% on a test in my life. And at one point, <laughs> My bracket picks were 3% correct. That is like an F plus, 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 or minus, minus, minus. I don't even know how to say it. It was so bad and embarrassing, but at least I was a comic relief for Rob because he kept saying, wow, that really sucks. <laughs> it did, but frankly, we were all on the same page. You know, I think mine was at like 16%. <laughs> and it was they were all bad yeah and on that first day somehow in one of rob's brackets he picked the two upsets so he did have bragging rights that day he did but even with the two upsets he picked he was still in fourth or fifth place in that particular bracket so he must have got something else wrong so that's what i well, have to remember and focus yeah. on i mean we all got other things wrong i mean some of the games that were no-brainers were upsets and yeah, it's like there was no there was no chance of winning that. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there are some people out there that won a lot of money, but yeah. Yeah, and Rob did pretty good on his individual bets at the sports book. He left a winner there in that in that respect. <laughs> Not so much in his brackets, but actually I haven't even checked in with him as to where he is on that. So I need to do that. Yeah, but a fun experience. It's something we do every year and it's different every year. The dynamics are different every year. Uh, the consistent thing is the four of us being there and having a lot of fun. And we, we had a lot of fun. It was a great week, good memories. Very good memories. But some things are so memorable that I think in the next segment, we just need to take a moment to touch on. When we were in Vegas, we had several situations arrive. And I really haven't talked to Suzanne since getting back home. So I want to get your thoughts on this now that some time has passed. And I'll just go through a couple different things that happened to us. And mm -hmm. let me know where you're standing on them. Okay. Okay. The first thing. We go to dinner. We are at a new restaurant. 
It's a trendy restaurant. They pack us in there like sardines. There's barely no ability to move if you move your on top of the table next to you. This restaurant has a theme in which they have performers come and walk around. So it's very interactive in that way. But here's my question. When you are sitting so close to the table next to you, is it okay and appropriate to start a conversation with them? Or should you just stay at your own table? Well, great question. And I think it depends on your personality. For me, I always keep to myself. I always stay focused. I don't talk to the people next to me. They could literally be sitting on my lap. If I don't know them, I'm not going to talk to them. Rob, on the other hand, is much friendlier, much more outgoing, and he'll strike up a conversation with our neighbors at dinner. The problem with that is then there's that awkward pause and that awkwardness about, okay, so now are we engaged with this couple or are we pulling away from this couple? Are we continuing in our conversation with them or are we done talking to them? And they're sitting so close to us, they can't help but hear our conversation and we can't help but hear their conversation. So do you continue to be engaged or do you go back to ignoring them? That's the problem. That is the problem. And I felt so incredibly awkward and Rob is very friendly. I would say hello to the people sitting next to us, but then go back to my own conversation. But Mm -hmm. he wanted to talk about basketball. He wanted to talk about the sky being blue. He wanted to talk about you name it. And we're like, come back over here to the conversation. Let them enjoy their meal. And again, the restaurant was very interactive in the fact that the appetizer we ordered they came and they made it table side. And then it got even more awkward because there's no space between us because Rob had to move and sit to face the presentation. And he was basically on Jeff's lap and then the woman's lap next to him. And it was just very right. cringeworthy and uncomfortable for me. Right. And that's the restaurant's fault. That's poor planning on the restaurant's fault. You know, pack them in, but then don't bring a dinner sized table to prepare the appetizer at the table. There's no room. It's like condense the size of the preparation table or separate the table so there's room to do the presentation. That was a big flaw on the restaurant's part. Yes, I I would agree with that. And again, the interactive part, Like, give us a clue that the two ballerinas moving around the restaurant are going to screech and scream like they're getting in a cat fight. I was not expecting that at all. So my nerves were a little bit shot after that dinner just because of proximity and the unknown happening. Right. And not to mention, there are no windows in the restaurant. And when you enter, they literally lead you through a maze to your table. So I got a little claustrophobic, like, how the heck am I going to get out of here if something happens, which I do. And and there was no easy way out that I could see. And I'm sure that they had a plan in case of an emergency. But yeah, I got a little claustrophobic. It was that speakeasy vibe that they were going for where you come in. Right. And then they they lead you back. And the decor was also very psychedelic. 
like bright colors, eclectic right. things. And so it just had a different vibe to it. It did. Yeah. yeah. Would I go back there? Probably not. I probably wouldn't go back there either, but it was an experience I'm happy that I had with my good friends and the food mm -hmm. was really good. I thought the food was good. It was good. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay, so let me ask you about the next scenario. Okay. We are watching March Madness games and we reserved a table that we pretty much prepaid for our food and beverages. We had the table all day. We're sitting there all day. And towards the end of that time period, a person who's standing watching the game finishes his beer and he takes the beer bottle and he sets it on our table, empty. Now, that annoyed me, but I probably would have ignored it. That's my personality. It was wrong. Someone else we were with at the table could not ignore it and made it obvious, and the guy removed it and apologized. Right. But Where do you five, stand on that? But then five minutes later, another person in the same party did the exact same thing. He turned, he set his drink down on our table, and then Rob asked him to remove it again. And yeah, I wouldn't have drawn attention to it. I probably would have just let it go. But it is a little annoying. It's like you're they're crossing the line a little bit. Yeah, it was it was rude of them to put their drinks down, use our table for their convenience. Yeah, it was very presumptive on their part. And I do have to laugh because Rob did give them the finger, but not the one that you're thinking of. He wagged his finger at him like, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, move it. And it was just kind of funny. He did the right thing because it annoyed him and we paid a lot for that table, but I probably would have just bit my tongue and dealt with it. Right. Right. Okay. That's so then that's what you would do too? Yeah. Okay. So the next scenario, and I'll leave it as the last scenario that I'm going to talk about. You pay a lot to stay at the hotel. You're sleeping and the room next to you doesn't realize that... There are other people in the hotel and they are loud, obnoxious at two in the morning. How do you deal with that? Well, good question, because you know that happened to me because I complained about it every day. And and it was the same. You could tell. And so I'm a little passive aggressive when it comes to these kinds of things, because it's like, OK, well, I could really piss them off and get up and open my door and say, hey, shut up. They'd get back to the room drunk. And then they'd order room service. And so then I'd hear room service knocking on the door at two in the morning saying room service and, you know, they're chatting and, and it's like, okay, again, hotels fault, you know, paper thin walls in an expensive hotel, stupid. My passive aggressive way of dealing with it is when I get up at my normal 6am <laughs> and I'm normally very quiet, so I don't wake anyone else up. Yeah, I was slamming doors, I was flushing the toilet, I was turning on the shower, turned on the TV, turned the volume up. Yeah, I, you know, stood by the adjoining door and talked on my phone. And so that's how I deal with it. It's like, okay, well, and they were probably so passed out, they never heard me. But it's like, okay, if you're going to keep me up at two in the morning, then I'm going to wake you up at um, six in the morning. 
and it made you feel good because you got to return the favor. And I agree with the way that you handled it because I have been in rooms like that before where the other guests are just completely oblivious to the fact there are shared walls and people can hear what you're doing and you don't need to be screaming or making a scene in the middle of the right. night. Right, right. It's like, have some respect. You don't own the hotel. You're not the only one in the building. It's like, have some respect for the other guests. Definitely. And again, I'm always mindful of that or try to be. I'm not right. perfect. I'm sure Rob and I have you know, gotten to an argument before. We've been a little too loud or flushed the toilet in the middle of the night. But I try to be mindful of that and respectful. Of course. Yeah. So that's all I'm going to say about Vegas, unless you have anything else you want to add right now. No, I think I think we've said it all. It was a great week. It was. So Viva Las Vegas. We're moving on. Okay. Well, with all that shared, I think this episode is quickly coming to an end. But before it does, I would like to introduce or tell you which book we are going to be reading during the month of April. The book that we will be reading, it is fictional, but there are elements of it that are based on a true crime story. The book is written by Ashley Flowers, who, if we have any crime junkies out there, you know that she is a podcast host and an executive producer. She is very passionate about true crime, helping victims, helping their families, and helping law enforcement with cold cases. What else can I say about her? She's doing a podcast tour right now. She's a new mom, and she's an excellent storyteller. So I'm very, very excited to be reading the book, All Good People Here by Ashley Flowers. And I think it's going to be a really fun read, a really good read. It takes place in Indiana. And yeah, lots of twists and turns. And again, she's an excellent storyteller. So I can't wait to jump right in. Oh, yeah. It'll be a great... I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we haven't talked crime before. And even though this is fictional, there's still an Mm -hmm. element of truth there. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it'll be fun. Let's get to something to sip on. Okay, well, it was my turn to select the quote. So here's your something to sip on. We are all broken. That's how the light gets in. Ernest Hemingway. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.